We're in Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to read from verse 51 to 62. It's entitled Samaritan Opposition. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you. Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service, fit for service in the kingdom of God. Luke, come on up. Let me pray for you and for ourselves as we get ready to hear from God this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word and for the challenge found in those 10 verses alone. Help us now to hear you, to hear your voice, that it would equip us to follow you better, Lord Jesus, we pray. Speak through Luke now, and give us ears to hear your word. Preach to us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Zoe. Oh, hello. It's quite loud. (laughs) Good to see you this morning, everyone. Um, before I get into the word, I'm going to pray again in a minute. But before I get into the word, something that's been on my heart and my mind this morning. I don't know if you know, we've got a shop that's opened up across the road. Um, and it, there was an attempted break-in on the shop the other night. And I walked past yesterday when they were dealing with the aftermath. And I uh, yeah, spoke to the owner who was pretty gutted and pretty devastated about it. Thankfully, they didn't get in because the glass was strong. But they did cause a lot of damage uh, on the door. And I've got to know this guy over the past few weeks anyway and found out the business is, you know, starting a business at this time of year is quite tough. And he's asked me to pray for him several times. And I think, you know, I'd encourage you to pray for them. But I thought, what could we as a church do practically to just show a bit of love and to show uh, a bit of grace at this time? And I want to set a challenge for us this morning, just to bless this guy after a couple of days of, yeah, that's been quite difficult. I want to encourage you after the service to go and buy something in the shop. What would it look like if 150 of us, 170 of us, went in after the service today and just bought something? It doesn't have to be much. You can buy a chocolate bar. You might not even want a chocolate bar. Let's declare today, National, buy your pastor a chocolate bar day. Uh, and then we can... Let, let, let's just do something as a church to physically bless this shop today. It would be overwhelming for him. If we all went in after the service in dribs and drabs, obviously, while we're having a coffee, and just bought something just to encourage them. So that's my challenge for you this morning. After the service, just go and buy something across the road just to say, we're, you know, we're praying for you and we're, we want to bless you this morning. So if you're willing to join me in that challenge, do do that uh, after the service. 
Let's just pray again as we come around to the words. But Father God, we want to thank you and praise you for your word this morning. And we pray, Lord God, that uh, it will really speak to each and every one of us in our situations and speak to us as a church uh, as well. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had those times in your life, I wonder, where you find yourself in the middle of something. It's not somewhere that you really want to be or something that you really want to be going through, but you just find that you have to endure the season that you're in. Little story from me. When I was 20 years old, I'd been working for London City Mission for a couple of years, and I felt the call to go into church ministry. And my church back in Portsmouth, they said, Luke, we recognize this call on your life, but we don't think you're quite ready yet. So what we want you to do is come back to Portsmouth, work alongside us, get a secular job, work in the real world for a little bit, and then build up a bit of experience that way. So that's exactly what I did. I moved back from London to Portsmouth and looked for a job. I was a qualified chef at the time, but it was was getting knocked back after knocked back when it come to finding a job. I ended up finding a job working in telesales, and I was selling credit cards over the phone. And let me tell you something, I was rubbish at it, and I didn't last very long in this particular job. And it got to the point where I would just wanted to take any old job just to earn a bit of finance. So I ended up working night shifts, working in the local Morrisons, and stacking shelves in Morrisons. Now, it wasn't a job that I wanted to do, but I knew I had to. And I don't know about you, have you ever had those times in your life where you have met someone and you have thought to yourself, this person doesn't like me? Often, when we think that about a person, it's what I call speculative imagination. It's never really as bad as what we think it is when people portray maybe situations and circumstances where they don't particularly like you. But I have to say, this boss that I worked for in Morrison's really didn't like me. It was a horrible situation. He would make me do the very worst jobs in the whole entire store, consistently, every single night. And when I'd done those jobs, he'd make me go and clear the entire store and clear up everyone's mess and everyone's rubbish because he didn't seem to like me. It was horrible, and I was left with a choice. Do I jack this in and find myself unemployed and risk not being able to pay my rents, or do I keep going? There was an end in sight. Later that year, we were about to get married, and we were going to move up north. So I knew this was only going to be a temporary season, and I needed to have some money in the bank. So I made a conscious decision. I am going to love this manager and love this boss that I have as best and as hard as I could. Because generally, when someone's got a problem with you, the best way to deal with that problem is to kill them with kindness. So I decided that if he was going to ask me to put out two pallets of food one night, I was going to put out four. And before he would ask me to do any of the cleaning around the shop, I was just going to go and get on with it and get it done. And this is how I went about things for weeks and weeks on end after this. I would preempt what this manager was going to ask me to do and just get on and do it before he actually asked me to do it. And it got to one night where I'd literally done everything that he could ask me to do. And he didn't have another job for me. So he reluctantly said to me, Luke, you better come and work with me. So that's what we did. I was working down this aisle, stacking shelves with this manager. We worked in total silence for a while, probably about 20 minutes, until that silence was broken. And he turned to me and he said, Luke, you don't seem the sort of man who works in a place like this. What exactly are you doing here? 
And I'm thinking to myself at this point, well, I've got nothing to lose at this point. So I turned to him and I said, well, I'm a Christian and I believe that God's calling me into ministry. He's calling me to lead a church. And I'm really just getting a bit of worldly experience, getting a bit of job experience, getting a bit of life experience before I believe I go on to that next step. And he turned to me and he said, Luke, I knew there was something different about you but I just haven't been able to put my finger on it. And I've been trying to test you and push you to try to work out what it is. And now it makes sense. And something that night clicked and something that night changed because his attitude from that point on totally changed about me. And instead of giving me all these jobs that I hated to do, every night I would go into that place and he would say to me, Luke, come and work with me. And we would spend every night talking about Jesus, talking about the Bible and talking about faith. I don't tell you this story to big myself up. For every good story like this that I've got in my life, there are 10 stories I could tell you where I have failed along the way and not spoke up and not done what God has called me to do. But what situations like this taught me is that where we allow our focus to be ultimately directs where we end up going. When we focus directly on what is in front of us, the challenge and the temptation for us is often to give up and to run away. But when our focus is on the bigger picture, we end up at the destination that God calls us to end up at. As we continue our series, looking at the journey together, we come to Jesus' journey today. And what we see from our passage is Jesus focusing with a laser-like focus on the very reason that he came to earth. And what I find fascinating about the passage that we've heard read for us today is where Jesus is actually focused. Because he's not focused on the cross, he's focused on his ascension. We read these words together in Luke 9, 51, when the day drew near for him to be taken up. Jesus knew exactly what his last week on earth was going to look like. He knew what he was going to have to endure. He knew that he was going to be betrayed by one of his closest friends. He knew that he was going to be handed over to the authority and that people were going to bring all kinds of false accusations against him. He knew that he was going to be blindfolded and spat on. He knew that he was going to be beaten and whipped and stripped naked and led to a cross where he would have nails driven through his hands and his feet and that he would be lifted up. But that is not where his focus was. Had his focus been there, he may well have in his humanity been tempted to bolt and run away. But Jesus looks past his upcoming suffering to the very reason that he is about to do it. He looks past what he is going to have to endure and he looks towards the prize. He knew exactly what was coming up. And yet his focus was on the finish. That's why we read in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy which was set before Jesus? That was us. 
He was looking at all of those who would one day enter into a relationship with God because of the sacrifice that he made. He was looking at a time where he would be ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father with the gathered people around him, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that meant that despite the pain, despite the shame, despite the fact that Jesus would be separated from his Father, he was willing to go through it all because his eyes were on the price his eyes were on a redeemed people who he would call his own because of his great love for us that's why he set his face and in some versions we read that he set his face like a flint meaning that it was unmoving unwavering towards jerusalem And there's a real challenge for us there today, isn't there? Because I want to suggest that for some of us, when we're talking about focus, maybe some of us focus often on the wrong thing. For some of us, we focus so much on the pain and the current hardships that we might be facing, a work or a family situation. I don't know what it might be for you, but we can get focused on the wrong thing and so focused on that that we miss where God is taking us and what God is doing, and it robs us of the joy of the journey. Your current position in life may be hard. Your current position in life may be painful, but you can be sure that he who has started a good work in you promises to carry it out until it is complete. And if you want to get through it, It may require a focus shift. So I want to ask you today, what is it that you are focusing on right now? What is it that's occupying your thoughts right now? Then ask yourself the question, how is this affecting my relationship and my walk with God? It's interesting, isn't it? What's the very first thing that happens to Jesus when he focuses on Jerusalem? He faces rejection. We read these words together earlier. He sent a messenger ahead of him who went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him, but the people did not receive him. Now, you could argue that in many respects that the fact that Jesus was rejected here is not surprising. Jesus had entered into a Samaritan town and it's no secret that the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. The Jews despised them because of this long history of hatred that they had because the Samaritans were a kind of mixture between Jew and Gentile. They had certain elements of the truth, but it was mixed with all kinds of idol worship. And as a result, The Jews hated them. And the Jewish people would often go majorly out of their way to avoid going through a Samaritan town. They would travel days to avoid doing this. So we read this passage together this morning, and we may ask, Jesus, is it any wonder that these people rejected you? They obviously don't like you. And hey, more often than not, If you go to an enemy's house and ask them for some dinner, you're going to get rebuffed. But this time, it wasn't the fact that Jesus was a Jew which saw him rejected. But it was what he was focused on. 
They rejected him because they saw where he was heading. They saw that he was heading towards Jerusalem. And they said, we want absolutely nothing to do with him. You know, there will be times where we choose to follow God and we put our focus on him, that will be costly. If we choose to follow Christ, then I mean really follow Christ, not in some sort of lukewarm, half-hearted, I'll come to church every so often kind of way, but if we choose to give our life to Jesus in the way that he calls us to, there will be times in our life where people will look at where we're focused and they'll say, get out of town. And the easiest thing to do in those moments is to compromise. When the call of God in those moments is to fix your focus. Don't look to your left or to your right, but focus totally and utterly on a God who says, I am all that you ever need. Satan will always try to tempt you to take the easy way out. Satan will use distraction techniques and hardships to keep you from your calling. Satan will use the fear of rejection to stop you stepping into your God-given destiny. And it's about sometimes looking beyond your current situation and focusing on what is to come. Something else which amazes me about this particular passage is the response of the disciples in this situation. You see, in the face of rejection, they get mad. They get really, really mad. And they turn to Jesus and they say, shall we call down some fire on this town from heaven and burn them up? They don't deserve to live if they reject you, Jesus. They were ready to defend Jesus in this moment, and they were ready to do whatever it took to do so. But instead of agreeing with them, Jesus rebukes them, and he sends them on to another village. You see, they were mad. They were really mad, and they wanted to sort this situation out once and for all. And Jesus turns to them, and he says, no, 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 guys, you've got the wrong attitude. You see, Jesus didn't come to destroy. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And even in the face of rejection, Jesus still administered love and grace to his enemies. Friends, there is good news here today. You may have been rejecting Jesus your entire life. You may have been in thought, word, and deed saying, Jesus, get out of town. I want nothing to do with you. You may even be thinking, I'm not even sure why I'm here in this place today. You may have rejected Jesus your entire life, but Jesus has not rejected you. In fact, the Bible tells us that whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still enemies of God, whilst we were still far off, Christ died for us. You know, in my role, I've administered a lot of weddings over my time. And there is a common theme in every wedding that I think I've ever done. There's always one person that turns up at a wedding, and they walk into a building like this. They're not a Christian, but they've been invited to the wedding because they know the bride or groom. They walk in, and they do exactly the same thing. They go, oh, I'm surprised I haven't burnt up walking into a place like this. Every single wedding, you probably know the person if you're married here who did that for your wedding. Every single wedding, people do that. They think it's funny. But the reality is, if you are here today and you've been rejecting Jesus your entire life, Jesus is not going to call down fire from heaven upon you. But he holds out a hand to you today and he invites you into friendship with him. The question is, will you take it? This is not a forever offer. 
There will be a point where Jesus will say to you, okay, if you choose to keep on rejecting me, I will honor that decision and you will spend eternity apart from me in a place that the Bible calls hell. The Bible tells us that it is appointed man wants to die and then the judgment. It also tells us that today is the day of salvation, that we should seek the Lord while he is there to be found. Coming back to our text. What we see in our text today is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus because from here on in, the mission of Jesus becomes first and foremost in his mind and he never loses sight of it. Coming back to that verse in Hebrews chapter 12, there is a call for a turning in our life as well. Let's look at it in a bit more depth. We read this starting at verse 1. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Do you see the similarities between what Jesus did and what we're called to do? Jesus puts the mission that he came to earth for above everything else, and he fixes his focus and his gaze upon Jerusalem. And that remains his goal, despite the distraction of rejection, despite the distraction of the cross. And in Hebrews, we're called to do exactly the same, not to focus on the mountain which might be in front of us, but focus on the finish line. It's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We read out a couple of weeks ago when he said this, therefore, we do not lose hearts, though outwardly, We might be wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory which far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When we think of the life of Paul, he was beaten almost to the point of death. He was rejected. He was shipwrecked. His ministry was mocked. It makes any issue that I think I've ever been through look almost like a paper cut. And yet what he says is that these are light and momentary troubles. Why? Because his focus was in the right place. You may be going through the toughest times in your life right now. You may not know if you're coming or going, but let me tell you today, you are in good company. Because Jesus has been there and he's walked the path that you walk and he understands what you're going through. Maybe you're here today and you're not really sure what is going on. Things aren't really good in your life right now, but they're not really bad either. But you're just not really sure maybe where God is right now. Let me ask you and let me challenge you today. Where is your focus at? You may have been a Christian for a long time, but you've simply become complacent or distracted. Distracted by money, family, your job, the cares of this world. I don't know. I believe that God is calling each and every one of us today to a turning point in our life. 
I believe that God is calling each and every one of us today to reassess, to refocus, and to realign ourselves with God's will. There will be distractions along the way. There will be things that the enemy will use in your life to try to throw you off balance. But if you set your face like a flint, not towards Jerusalem, but towards Jesus, it will mean that even in the midst of the storm, you are able to stand. So let me ask you again today, where is your focus at? There's an individual challenge here, but there's also a corporate challenge too. As we consider our journey as a church and where we might be going in the future, the challenge for us is what are we focused on right now? Are we focused on being a nice, comfortable church in a nice, comfortable environment? Or do we want to see this city saved with the lost impacted and the lost come to know Jesus for themselves? Are we focused on getting our needs met and making sure that we are okay? Or do we want to see our church continue to grow with people of all ages, all races and all backgrounds? When we think of the future, are we focused on the amount of money which we might have in the bank in order to say where we might be going? Or do we look to a God who says, I promise to supply all your needs according to my riches and glory? Because church, as we consider our journey together, the path may not always be straight. We may look at what God is calling us to do and think, how on earth is this going to come together? How is this going to be resourced? Where are the people going to come from? How are we going to do this? But fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the miracle maker, the way maker, the author and the finisher of our faith, means we don't do it in our strength, but we do it in his. So church, let's be a church which commits to focusing and fixing our eyes on King Jesus the author and the perfecter of that faith. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and to Zoe to lead us in a response now. I wonder this morning if there's two responses for us as a church. Luke's challenge has been clear. Where is our focus? Where are we at with Jesus? Where is our focus as a church? This morning we have time, we have space. We're going to invite God to move how he wants to. And first, I think it's right for us to respond and examine where we're at. And then we'll come round to praying as a church where our vision is set. I was reminded as Luke was sharing with us how in the the next chapter in Luke, we see this example played out of where is our focus. Jesus, arriving in a village, is greeted by his friends, Mary and Martha. One is distracted, her focus on other things and the other sits at the feet of Jesus. We know the story. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. The band are going to lead us in response, and we're going to sing 
turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. First of all, our response this morning is to turn our eyes, to lay our distractions right now, our momentary troubles at the feet of Jesus, because they don't feel momentary, do they? And to invite this song to be our prayer, that in light of all that's going on, they would dim so we can realign our focus on him. And then our prayer team are here this morning. If your troubles feel really burdensome and the joy of the journey that Luke has been talking about isn't something that's resonating with you at all, then my encouragement this morning is to receive prayer, to receive encouragement. Someone will simply lay a hand on you and bless you to keep carrying, to keep enduring, to keep your eyes on the prize. And then I, my encouragement this morning is if God is speaking, if there are any words or prayers or pictures or anything that would edify and build up us as a church, then come and speak to us. We'd love for those to be shared. We're going to keep worshipping and then I feel it might be right for us to change the response to ask God what he is asking us to focus on as a church as well. But first of all, shall we stand? Shall we use this song as a prayer? Lord Jesus, now we want to turn our eyes upon you. We want to gaze again at who you are in your glorious state, ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father, we choose to turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, that the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as we're singing, as we're responding, if you want to receive prayer this morning, then my encouragement to you is to, is to go in humility. Someone will pray a blessing over you. Let's fix our focus before we go any further. Come Lord Jesus, speak to us now we pray. We wanna hear your voice, align our sight. King of kings, majesty, we praise your name now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>